Hi, yes. Hello again, everybody. Season one, episode two of Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast. Mr. Craig Button, we had fun last week. We are off and running. We're in the game, but you were really in the game. When you were managing and winning cups with the Dallas Stars, did it matter more? Were you more excited? Or whether you're a little kid or a broadcaster now, do you still have that feeling in your stomach when a season starts? People always say, Steve, you're not in the game. You're just out. You don't get paid by an NHL team. Is that hogwash, Craig? Tell me. Tell me, Craig. Hogwash. Total hogwash. And, you know, when you consider that the fans are the ones that drive the passion of the game. And I'm a fan. I was a fan when I was working for NHL teams. I loved watching great players and great teams. I was lucky, Steve. I was living in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and it was the glory days of the Detroit Red Wings. I I watched them stumble as our team in Minnesota, then Dallas, was trying to grow. You know, these high expectations with the Red Wings, and, you know, it would end in disappointment, and then the new season would begin. Oh, hope. Isn't that what a new season is about? It's about hope. It's about all the things you think you can achieve. It hasn't changed one bit from then to now and everywhere in between. And, you know, everybody starts out talking about, okay, what are our goals? A lot of teams have Stanley Cup aspirations and they're legitimate. Most of them don't have legitimate reasons to have Stanley Cup aspirations, but there's nothing wrong with dreaming. And, you know, one of the things that's happened with the cap era is that, you know, you, we talk about parity. We can talk about what it's meant for salaries and, you know, high salaries for individual players or average salaries that have gone up, whatever you want to talk about. All I know is that you got 32 teams and there is significant parity in the National Hockey League. 81.5, a lot of teams that were good kind of got worse. And we've talked about that a little bit. We'll talk about that more. Is there a pickleball cup? Are you still playing during the year or is it a summer activity, Mr. Button? The fans want to know because I can see you. Your face looks all healed and clean. No scar from the stitches. I can tell you this, okay? I play pickleball 12 months a year. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. We play outdoors. We play indoors. Obviously, north of the border here in Canada, you cannot play outside with the snow. But we're still playing outside. Yesterday in Calgary on Sunday afternoon, it was beautiful. 20 degrees. We had a wonderful day. So, yeah, we play. We play in a pickleball league. My wife and I are a team. We play in a pickleball league. And so... It's pretty fun. I was in a tournament a few weeks ago, won a silver medal, Steve. I won a, Do you win a silver medal or you award a silver medal for not winning? You won Busted silver. <laughs> you won silver. Uh, I'm proud of you. So, well, we're <laughs> off and running here. Season one, episode two. And now a serious topic that you first introduced me to over the weekend. I was watching some exhibition action. But then as we were prepping for this, we talked about Robin Leonard. For those who don't know... The number one goalie now in Vegas, Robin Leonard, claimed on Twitter Saturday that many other teams, not his team, not Vegas, but other teams offer NHL players two drugs, medications typically used to treat insomnia. And it also, I'm told, also helps out with stress. Is this wow news? Is this bad news? Is this not surprising when it's 2 a.m. on a flight and you're three and four nights? Is, Is this crossing the line or is this just something... The league has reached out, and I'm told that Robin Leonard and the league, Bill Dealey, are going to talk. So you've been there. You've managed teams before. Is this wow surprising news to you, Craig? You know, we're going to – we look at Robin Leonard, and I, I think that's the microcosm of, of what's happening. 
you know, in light of Jack Eichel, and we had a long discussion about Jack Eichel last week on the pod. And, you know, it's, it's Jack Eichel who wants control over his situation to say, hey, listen, I think this is what's best for me. The Buffalo Sabres who have under the rights of the CBA to say, no, you cannot go and do that. Uh, or you're going to forego your salary or be at risk of foregoing your salary. So, you know, Robin Leonard's talking about his own specific situation. You know, this is more about what I look at as players trying to understand without saying, I'm just going to follow your lead. You know, I had a, we had a player, okay, in Dallas uh, when we were down there and he was, uh, he, 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 he had a real significant uh, issue uh, with mental health. And he was prescribed some medication that put him in greater danger. Oh, not took him out of the danger. And, you know, it was, it was really significant. So when you ask me, has this been going on? You know, the players, you know, medical staff is hired by the team. Players say, okay, I'm, I'm hurt. Okay, where do I go? I go to get a knee and I want to get my knee fixed. Jack Eichel's case, he's got a neck injury. He's gone and done the research. He's thinking that, you know, getting uh, disc replacement surgery is the best thing for him. You know, Robin Leonard, you know, has dealt with uh, a lot of different issues when, with respect to mental health. One of the things he talked about was he needed REM sleep. And the sleeping pills he was prescribed didn't allow him to do that, which created more problems for him. So we talk about control. We talk in control, and I, I'm not using control in a negative way, uh, but the players are now saying, wait a second here. There's a lot of different opinions out there. The CBA allows to go and get second opinions and whatnot. But, you know, the team says, no, you can't do that. The other part of this too, Steve, and it's an issue. And for the players. The fact is, is that who hires the medical staff for the, for the clubs and <laughs> what is their mandate? Get players ready to play, get players on the ice, you know, everything. So the players are saying, wait a second, we're not so sure that we don't have a better option here. I'm not saying that it's that, that the, that the medical staffs are, or negligent or not competent, but we all know that there's there's more than one right answer. And sometimes there's a better right answer with respect to that. And that's what Robin Leonard's talking about. Danny Carcillo talked about it with Steve Monador. And, you know, he talked about him going and getting, uh, you know, a, a, another opinion on his concussions. And I know I signed Steve Monador in, in, in Calgary. And I know knew Steve Monador exceptionally well. And it's, it's still heartbreaking to this day to think about his death. And Donnie, Danny Carcillo and Steve Monador were best of friends. And he said when he came back, you know, they wanted him. And th this is Danny Carcillo's, you know, uh, commentary about it. And then Steve ended up getting sent to the minors because he wouldn't sign the fit to play. Now, as I've said, doesn't matter how thin the pancake is, Steve. It's got two sides. Yep, yep. <laughs> but, I, but I think the issue here is about the the players wanting to have more input, more say in their treatment, whatever it may be, physical, mental health, all the things that go with pre preparing to play. And then good for Robin Leonard for bringing that up. I mean, I'm surprised in a way that it takes till 2021 to get that second opinion. Like you said, the doctors aren't doing malpractice by 
prescribing or trainers by you've had trouble getting to sleep. You have an upset stomach. You're on the plane, you're on the charter. So they're doing what they believe is best for you. So a you're okay. And B you can play, or maybe B you can play and a you'll be okay later. When I was at the Spangler, I, I had trouble sleeping. It's a, it's a, it was a tough grind. I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but I went to someone and then they gave me something and I slept like a baby and had a great tournament and everything else. And you know, did I come home and ask my doctor and tell tell him what I did? I didn't. Maybe I should have, but nobody was trying to harm me. They just said, you need help in this regard. So what you're saying specifically is the team doctors aren't doing anything that are going to hurt, hurt these players in theory, but if they want a second opinion, they should talk to their own doctor. The goal is to get back on the ice as fast as possible. And there might be what you're saying, Craig, some issues later in life. So then the player has the right to say no, or let me think about it as opposed to being, you know, Vince Lombardi pushed into a decision. Basically, is that what Robin Leonard has brought to light? Because he said, I was going to drop one major item a day for the next month. What does he, what else does he have in that utility belt that we're going to see? Is he, is he going to shock the league and the players or is he just softly, or maybe not softly, uh, a little strongly just trying to bring a lot of things to light about power and control. Uh, Steve, those are the two words right here, right? So, uh, you know, the NHL players in this regard, you know, they are the uh, employees, right? And, you know, the employer wants to make sure that their employees can, can be ready to work. And when you're paying your employees significant amounts of money, you don't want them missing games. And so when we talk about Robin Leonard and we talk about, uh, you know, the information that is available, not just to the athletes, but to everybody now, and to, you know, we used to, you know, you think about our parents, Steve, you know, the doctor said, okay, uh, you know, Mr. Coolius, this is what you have, you know, take these pills and you, you just, you, you just applied. You just went to the drugstore and you filled the prescription, you took them for seven days and everything was good, right? Well, there's so many different things. We, we, again, we talk about mental health. We talk about different surgeries, physical surgeries. There's so much information and we, we tell people, you know, be an advocate for your own treatment. Go and get yourself born. And because there's so much information out there, and, I, and I've been fortunate, I can't speak for all medical staffs and trainers, but, you know, I've been fortunate to work with great medical staffs and, and great training staffs. So I, what I've observed is, is really good. But I do know, I just told you a story about a player we had in Dallas, mental health issues. He was prescribed something that pushed him further away from a, a place where he could feel good about it rather than closer to it. We had a player in Calgary when I was here, Brad Warenka. He had a concussion and it ended his career. Brad is now a practicing lawyer. And I, again, Nick Matati, Dr. Nick uh, Matati was our, was our team doctor. And we had reached a point and I get it. We're paying Brad and they want some answers. And we were in a conversation and some, and you know, our president Ken King at that time said, well, you know, why wouldn't, why wouldn't Brad Rinka come to the rink? And I said, okay, I guess, I guess we haven't maybe informed Ken to the extent he needed to be informed. Brad Rinka couldn't get out of a dark room. His wife couldn't leave him alone with the kids and we're, we're going to bring him to the rink. <laughs> like, like, but, but, you know, again, like, you know, I, like I, I, I expressed that just to talk about, okay, we're paying him. Where is he? You know, he never played another game, but you know, again, Robin Leonard, who uh, 
who's not afraid or hesitant to speak his mind. You know, this is, this is something now where you talk about power and control. It's something about where the players say, we want more control. And there's nothing wrong with that, in my view. Before we go to some other things, quickly, anything new on Jack? And where does this, meaning Leonard's comments on Twitter, where do we possibly go from here? Are, are there like dark secrets? Is this like, uh-oh, in the Avenue of the Americas, are they saying, oh boy, what's he going to say? Or what he did say was, uh, hey, that, that could help. You know what? I, I take some of those things and maybe I should get a second opinion or ask my doctor, kind of lead us where you think you've been in those chairs before where we could go from here. Well, well Steve, I'll be, I'll be straightforward. I, I think it's incumbent upon everybody, players, team management, to, to try to understand what is the best course of action. Now, does that mean you're always going to agree on what the best course of action is? For, for Robin Leonard, for Jack Eichel in this case, you know, it comes down to a scenario where, you know, I, I understand financial and the risk for Jack Eichel. I understand financial and the risk for the Buffalo Sabres when it comes to that specific situation, right? I, I don't know how they resolve it. I, I, I don't know, right? Because that seems to be, you know, one of those ones that right now is, it, is at an impasse. But when Robin Leonard talks about, you know, uh, you know, being prescribed medication, you know, to help him sleep that didn't help him sleep <laughs> and, and it created that exacerbated his problem. That's a problem, Steve. That's a problem. And it's a problem that has to be rectified. Ryan Kessler has talked about, uh, you know, uh, you know, his problem with Toradol, a pain reliever that's, that's, that created lots of problems. Mike Richards. I mean, we, we know that he had had an addiction to painkillers that created problems. So what we have to understand is the players are, are, are incredibly competitive. They want to play, Steve. They want to get out there and make a difference. We talk about the start of the season. They want to go out and help their teams win. They don't want to miss games. They'll do anything. So we know that they won't do anything. We know uh, th that that's how they're going to proceed. So how do we make sure that we don't put them in positions where they, they run into problems that aren't anticipated addiction, you know, creating more injury. Steve, when, when, when a, when a race horse gets hurt, you know why they have to euthanize it? Because a race horse doesn't know anything else, but how to run a race horse can't convalesce once to get up. So it breaks, a it breaks a, a four leg or whatnot. They have to euthanize it. Athletes are thoroughbreds. And we have to understand fully, okay, that there's short-term implications, long-term implications, and the consequences go with it. And, you know, the information available has to be availed to them. And they're well, availing it to themselves. And what I mean by has to be availed to them, hey, sometimes there is a better way that is outside your own organization. Well said. We'll continue to follow that story. Uh, speaking of a Northern dancer, Let's talk about Connor McDavid. And Craig, if you can believe it, even I have critics. And some of my critics, mostly stateside, they think, I think I'm Connor McDavid's dad. I'll tell you this much. I was grabbed by one of the parents who dragged me to a rink in Markham, Ontario, and said, he's here, he's here. Who's here? Who's here? McDavid, the, the guy playing up at a level. The, the 97, you got, you got to see, you got to see. So I went over, let me see. Remember, I'm the guy that was told about Gretzky from Glendale Gleesh. And I said, 
WHA. We'll see. I'm one of those guys. We'll see. Dick Beddows told me fourth line center on the 47 Leafs. That's where Wayne Gretzky would play, all that stuff. Then I saw McDavid. Then I called that 15-year-old game with him and Barzell on TSN. And I just, I just fell in love with the player. We're going into the seventh year. The over-under is 150 points. He had 105 last year. He was in on 58% of his team's goals. Nobody was close to 50%. You just saw him. He ho-hummed his way through a three-point game. <laughs> like ho-hum. Oh, Zach Hyman, you want the puck? There it is. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I don't know where you are in the McDavid bandwagon. I already believe, and we're lucky. We saw or like we're a bit older than maybe some, or Esposito and Clark and Lafleur of, you know, the end of Hull and a little of Gordy and everything else. Are you bitten by the, remember the gambling bug, Bugs Bunny? Are you bitten by the 97 bug? Well, I mean, I don't know how you can't be bitten. I mean, it's a, I mean, when, when you watch Connor McDavid play, I, I, same as you, Steve. I was told, oh, you got to go watch this McDavid kid. You got to go watch this McDavid kid. You know, and, and you know, Steve, you know how many kids I've been told I have to go watch over the years? You know how many kids I mean, I've been told? And inevitably, it's not that the kids aren't good. It's just that they're not as good as everybody told you they were going to be, right? And, you know, you see that. But, you know, I, I'll never forget watching Connor McDavid with the Toronto Marlies. And I, I, it was it was like draw jopping right, right from the get-go. And it was like, oh, my, oh, my. Oh my, oh my, oh my. <laughs> like, did he just do that? I remember trying to get, uh, you know, the, it was before video, like real significant video. And somebody with the Marlies was taping something. And I said, is it possible to go rewind that? Can I just go? Did I really see what I just saw? Well, I did. But I think I'm going to call it the curse of 97's brilliance. The curse. Explain. I know. A curse. <laughs> I will explain. Here we go. Saturday, I'm in Edmonton watching a preseason game. Edmonton, Winnipeg Jets. The penny dropped for me, Steve. The penny dropped. I looked up in the sky. I saw the banners up there. All retired. The great players. Gretzky, 99. 17 Curry. The curse of 97. Connor McDavid creates more scoring chances more advantages for his team that most of his teammates can't take advantage of. Wayne Gretzky didn't have that issue. He just said, I got number 17 right here. He does not have a number 17. You talk about the over-under on 150 points. If Connor McDavid had a Yerry Curry, he'd have 200 points. He does not have a Yerry Curry. You know how great Wayne Gretzky was? He was greater because of Yerry Curry. We know how great Connor McDavid is. The curse of his brilliance is, hey, they get chances. He creates them, but they can't finish them. They don't have the skill of Yerry Curry. So are you telling me play him with Leon Dreisaitl? No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you didn't, you didn't have to play Messier with Gretzky because Gretzky had Curry and Messier had Anderson. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I guess if he didn't have Curry and he didn't have uh, Anderson, you would say, Oh boy, we better play these two guys together. I am telling you, the curse of 97's brilliance. He'd have more than 150 points if he had a guy like Gary. I think about Nathan McKinnon being able to play with Miko Rantanen. Just give him Miko Rantanen. Give him a Miko Rantanen fact simile. So 
Hyman one side, Pugliarvi the other to allow Dreisaitl to play with Yamamoto and Ryan Nugent Hopkins is, is very good. But because McDavid's from another planet and he comes here to play, if he had, if he's from Mars, if he had a winger that was from the moon is what you're saying. And maybe in in China in February, he will. Are you leading me into watch McDavid and McKinnon be 66 and 99? Like, is that, is that a must now for you to say, Nate, I know you're center. We're going to play you with Connor and just watch and we'll get out of your way. I, I, listen, I, I want to see it. I want to see it. I'll be sitting on the edge of my seat. You know, when the lines come out and you're figuring out who, okay, practice, who, who's playing with who for Team Canada. Yeah, I want to see that. You know, when you talk about it too, you know, I, I go back, Bobby Clark, the Hall of Famer, three-time MVP, Steve, three-time MVP, Bobby Clark. And, the, and he, he told this story about Bobby Orr. And I think it applies to, the, to, to McDavid. He said, Bobby Orr dictated the game. And he said, we grew up as kids, wanting to play in the NHL, wanting to play in the best league in the planet. We wanted, that's all we dreamed about was the NHL as kids. And he goes, Bobby Orr had to settle for playing in the NHL because there wasn't a better league for him to play in. So when you say McDavid is from Mars, yes, he's settling now for just being a 150-point guy or a 140-point guy, the curse of 97's brilliance. Before we move on, tagging 97, is he already in your mind blank? When I said a couple of years ago, he was already in my top 20 to the top 15. And then I brought him to my top 10. Here's Cooley again on 90. <laughs> if you talk about or Gretzky, Lemieux. How, how Crosby, Richard, Crosby. So he's already in the top 10. Ovechkin. Yeah. He's yeah. there. He's in there. That's when you want me to fill in the blank already top 10. His brilliance is unbelievable. I'm watching the, I, I, I'm not going to say what percentage, but I know that he's not going hundred percent in a preseason game on Saturday in Edmonton, yeah. but I'm watching it. Like I said, the penny dropped the, and, and I'm watching it. I'm just going, wow. Like, and I've watched him like, like lots, 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 like all of us. Like, and I'm still going in there being mesmerized. I am. I'm going to say under 150. I'm just going to say 142 for fun. But you got me thinking it could be 197 if there was somebody else. So that's still darn good. He had 105 last year. Don't forget. Weaker division, blah, 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 all that stuff. Uh, do you want to give us a number before we move on to some other numbers? Weaker division, he's going to be playing against the California teams. You know, he's going to be playing against he's going to be playing against a Vancouver team that has defensive woes on the blue line, right? Okay, you want to, you sure? You sure he was? I'd be careful about weaker division. I mean, the bottom line is, whoever Connor McDavid plays against, it's weaker competition. Yeah, and he won't have to go against Connor Hellebuck. Uh, we'll deal with the Jets in a moment. Speaking of pennies falling, a lot of them fell for Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. Hughes, AAV, 7.8. Pedersen, 7.3. Pedersen, a three-year deal. Hughes, a six-year deal. Now, of course, if you wanted one of these players right now, they're both great. I think Pedersen's better now, but signs uh, lower AAV. 
So give me, because he signed three and Hughes signed six, he's getting more. Give me the math. But I haven't signed an NHL contract. I dreamed of signing one as a player. I never did. Maybe as an assistant GM to you on Team 34, maybe I will and we'll be in those conversations. Give me the math and the, you've gone through, these aren't holdouts, but, you know, coming to camp. Give us the insight on these numbers and how Jim Benning kind of put it together in his pie without having to move anybody, at least not yet. We, we talked about this last week on episode one yes. of the Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast. <laughs> and, you know, we talked about, I said the parameters for a short-term deal were there and the parameters for a long-term deal were there. Right? One of the challenges now for the players and for the teams is what is that value longer term? Right. Like, you know, we just talked a little bit about the Winnipeg Jets. You mentioned Connor Hullabuck, but, you know, Mark Shifley signed an eight year deal that when he signed it was a was 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 a real good, strong deal. I mean, there's no question. Mark Shifley is a star, one of the star players in this league that clearly is, is not being paid what his value is. And that creates issues. So, you know, you, you look at the Pedersen deal. It's modeled right after the Matt Barzell deal, you know, first year is a little bit lower, you know, the second year is right in that average. And then he gets qualified off of 10.25 million. So, you know, when you start to look at a player coming one year into free agency, being qualified at 10.25, now it becomes incumbent upon the team to look at this and go, okay, we got one year left with Mr. Pedersen. What are we going to do in terms of keeping him in the fold and signing him? And, you know, so you use the term, kick it down the road, kick it down the road, like do teams kick it down the road. So Pedersen's being kicked down the road, right? Probably not probably because Vancouver had to kick it down the road right now. Right. So, but understand Elias, Elias Pedersen is going to have real significant leverage <laughs> saying, okay, we can't get to a long-term deal. I'll just play out my last year of my deal. And I'm a UFA next summer. Big time. That's what's Matt Barzell, 10 million coming out. So that's the situation with Patterson. We'll kick it down the road and that's where it's going to sit. Star player. We know where he's at. Kaprizov, you know, he signed the five-year deal at 9 million. <laughs> so where are you, where are you at? Right? Like where are you at? And he'll walk the free agent. Quinn Hughes, you know, the longer deal, six-year deal that, that comes on the heels of McCarr signing uh, a six-year deal. You know, when I look at, at when I look at McCarr's deal, vis-a-vis Quinn Hughes deal, you know, I think Quinn, I don't think Quinn wanted to get in there and play. You know, I think that he could have probably asked for somewhere in the neighborhood of what McCarr got. I mean, I know Quinn didn't have a great year last year, but we're talking about quality of defensemen. And I think for six years at that number, I think the Vancouver Canucks are going to be exceptionally happy having Quinn Hughes. And it will give them some opportunity to do some other things. One other thing I'm going to add to this yep. is that cap, where's the cap going to go? Where are revenues going to go? Is the cap going to go up? So players, agents, they don't want to be leaving money on the table. So, you know, under like for Pedersen, you know, sitting back saying, Hey, okay, let's see where this all goes in a couple of years with revenues and the salary cap. You know, he could, uh, he could really benefit coming out of that third year of, of, of this contract. It was an unmitigated disaster for Vancouver last year. They had the health issues, the COVID, nothing went right. Uh, Holtby didn't work out. Hughes did get his points, but I did a, have a mini red flag on some of the defense. Like they ran him, right? They ran him and said, you know, and they, so now let's see how he 
moves the puck and gets away from danger. You're not worried about it. I'm not either, but I don't want him to be a, a one-dimensional defenseman that is super strong in the power play. But then if you're going to pay him that kind of money, he's, I don't want it to be, and I don't want to use this in a too negative turn. You don't want to be a Tyson Berry like when you just you can't kill a penalty. You 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 can't help in a one goal game that you've got the lead. So it's a big year for both of these guys. They're excited. They're back in camp. It's not like the season's starting tomorrow, so they're ready to go. Where are you on the Canucks? If if we both have, and I'm only guessing, we both have Vegas one, we both have the Oilers two. I believe the Canucks are three in that division. Some people like Cal- I don't like Calgary as much. You know, I like Connor Garland. I like Oliver Ekman Larson. I, I like Thatcher Demko. I like Pedersen. I like Hoaglander. I like Besser if he's going to play. Pod Colson is into the mix. Horvat, JT Miller. I, I, I like this team. I don't love this team, but I like it to be three. And guess what? When you finish third in a division in the NHL, it comes with this, a ticket to the playoffs because you don't have to worry about the other five in the other division that might be better than you. Where are you on that kind of placing of the Pacific? Check on Demko. Check on the forward group. You yep. know, you talk about, you know, you, they, they traded for Jason Dickinson. Big, good addition. Connor Garland adds more offense. Uh, we saw what Nils Hoaglander did last year. Pod Colson will come in, in my view, and do similar things. I love the forward group. It's deep. It can play you a lot of different ways. Don't like the defense one bit. Oh. I love Quinn Hughes. I think Oliver Ekman Larson will come in and be able to contribute and do some things, you know, for the Vancouver Canucks. I don't like the rest of the defense with respect to they're just bottom pair defensemen. The rest of them can Jack Rathbone. I think Jack Rathbone's a real good prospect. I think he's going to play. I think he's going to help this team, but they have the market cornered on bottom pair defensemen. I'll tell you. And when you got major gaps on your, on your blue line between you, you, you know, one and two and five and six and seven, you're going to have big problems. And uh, no, no team's perfect, Steve. No team's perfect. But, you know, the Travis Hammonick situation, he's a bottom pair defenseman in my view. Tyler Myers can't be extended very much. You know, Pullman, bottom pair defenseman. <laughs> until, they, until they get better defensemen back there, I'm not uh, – the, the problems that they've had, you know, on the blue line with the, you know, spending, getting out of their zone, being able to close the – the cycle in their own zone. I still see it as a problem. Then who's better? Calgary. Calgary is better. I think, well, I mean, how much better? I mean, I'm putting them a notch ahead. Right. That's all I'm doing. I'm just putting them a notch ahead. I'm not putting them significantly. I'm not saying, whoa, they can't do that. Because I, I think Thatcher Demko is legitimate number one. The key to me, when I watch the Vancouver Canucks right now, and I, and I think this is when you have Hoaglander, you have Pod Coles, and you have Jason Dickinson. You get deeper into your forward group. Tyler Mott, if he like get back healthy and playing, can you keep more of the play in the offensive zone? <laughs> keep the pressure off the blue line. Because when that puck comes into your zone, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, that's your Demko. The red light in his head goes off. Ah, better be ready. <laughs> because if he's not ready, that red light's going on behind him. And the forwards have to get in there and get invested and involved. So to me, Vancouver's got to play defense in the offensive zone. Hold the puck, pressure the puck in the neutral. Don't let the puck get into our zone. Let it get in there as little as possible. Because I don't think they can defend very well. Goodrow, Lindholm, Monaghan. I know they added Coleman. I like Mangiapane. I, 
big year for the Flames core. After one and two and the doors open, that's why Seattle's lucky and happy that they joined this division and Arizona reluctantly leaves the division as they try to shame for Shane, but that'll be a topic when we get into that division a bit more. I don't love anybody else. People like the Kings as five. If Calgary, I have it four. Seattle, six. And San Jose, Anaheim, we can do whatever we want. They're, they're not playoff teams. So when you talk about the North Division, what you're saying last year is just remember when you said the Canadian Division's weak, McDavid's going to play the three California teams, Seattle, Calgary, Vancouver, and only have to worry about Vegas. So maybe one fair. I'm changing my prediction. Well, he, he, he gets Arizona a few times in there too, right? Which could be big time point night for Connor McDavid, right? Anyway, it's all, it's all part and parcel of it, right? Like, it, you know, you talk about those teams and, you know, I, the LA Kings are fascinating. And we're going to get into the LA Kings at some point, but they're fascinating to me. They signed Philip Deno. I, I, I love Philip Deno. I think that's a big loss for the Montreal Canadiens. But, you know, where are they at? I, I, it's not so much where are they at. Where do we assess where they're at? Where does Rob Blake assess them at? Because how Rob Blake assesses this team is going to be real interesting because it's going to determine how he's going to act. Does he think they're a playoff team? Does he think they need to be a playoff team? And, you know, are they, you, you know, you brought it up. You brought it up. Should the LA Kings be after Jack Eichel, right? So it, it, if conversations uh, are, are along that path, then you're getting some indication of what Rob's thinking about his team. I need to bolster the lineup. I need to add to it. I need to get play. If he's, because, you know, Steve, I, I'll, I'll be straightforward with you here. Not that I'm never straightforward with you, but I'm going to be straightforward here for our listeners. You know, you look at it and I see rebuilds that go on forever. Baseball, basketball, football, hockey, right? Like, you know, I don't think Rob Blake's in that in, in that mold of like, oh yeah, we'll just keep waiting. Well, you know, somewhere down the road, you know, these these young teenagers, and we're going to be talking about them as they're retiring and they have four kids and they're sending their kids off to college, right? I don't think Rob Blake's in that mindset. But where is he at right now? How does he see his team? Because how he sees his team will determine how he acts. They had a pretty good run last year for yep thirty five games, forty games. I like Todd McClellan. I'm a big Todd McClellan fan as a coach. So, you know, when I watch this now, they signed to know what else are they in on? I don't think the LA Kings are just a team on the schedule this year in the Pacific division. I think they have their sights set on bigger things. I think they want to make a splash and they've got the assets to do it. Kopitar one to know it two. Gabe Velarde now. But the kids, you know, I see this uh, Vladimir Kachev guy looking good. Arvidsson, they were 27th in the league in goals last year, so they needed to add some offense. Where's Leas Anderson? Where's Jared Anderson Dolan? Where's Turcotte? Where's Byfield? There's enough for a trade there. People like Cal Peterson, um, you know, taking over the torch from quick. But I don't know if that's playoffs yet. How do you make a splash for Eichel when Eichel can't play just yet? And you know, where's Seattle in the mix? And, you know, Dennis Bayak told me once, Cooley, Seattle's one of my favorite cities. When I lived there, it was one of my favorite cities. But I said, yeah, is it a hockey city? We've talked about the Pacific Northwest for junior. And he said, yeah. He says, it's a great place to live. Yeah, but then will they be Vegas-like? Well, I don't know if anybody can be Vegas-like in year one, but there's a buzz, there's season tickets. You've done your traveling. 
we'll talk about the team on the ice and not probably not being able to score and Yanny Gord's out with the shoulder surgery to start the year, but are they going to be a 500 team? Will there be the buzz? Is it, is it the perfect team 32 from I've never been to Seattle. All I know is the Seattle Metropolitans won the cup in 1915. I remember that for my youth. I remember that for my youth, but all I say is they're not going to score, but could they still entertain the masses? Will it work in Seattle? They're going to be a team that, that skates and plays hard. I mean, you look at their lineup. I mean, Ron Francis went and got a team that's going to be able to be quick and fast. And the blue line, they're trying to, you know, build a blue line that can, that, that can be really solid and stingy and everything. And let's not forget that, you know, that's the Vegas gold Knights. I mean, they were exciting, but they had a pretty good stingy defense there. I mean, you have Mark Andre Fleury, not bad uh, to start with not only a, a real top goalie, but the face of your franchise. So I've been to Seattle lots, love Seattle. It is a hockey city. Listen to Dennis Bayak, trust Dennis Bayak. Uh, he, he, he was, uh, uh, with I saw him on Saturday in Edmonton, our dear friend Dennis. So Dennis knows, and, and that is a really that's a great hockey city. Now you talk about where they're going to be at. You know, it it you, you got Vegas, you got Calgary. Can they or, or Edmonton? Excuse me. Can, can they can they compete? Yeah, they're going to compete. I don't think they're going to be Vegas. Listen, Steve, if you haven't won the Stanley Cup, okay, that would be Washington, that would be the St. Louis Blues and the Tampa Bay Lightning. There's no other team that's been better than the Vegas Golden Knights the last four seasons or five seasons, four, four Stanley Cup. Nobody. There hasn't been. <laughs> so you think the Seattle Kraken are going to be able to do that? Listen, no other, like, other than the Stanley Cup teams, no other team has done it. So 92, I don't know what the Vegas over-under is. I thought 92 is a number I would say. I, I could see them eight games above five games above 87 to 92 uh, being realistic. Cause I go Vegas one Edmonton two, Vancouver three Calgary, four LA five Seattle, six Anaheim or San Jose. I like Doug Wilson, maybe San Jose seven, the Patrick or the Evander Kane situation. And then I don't think Anaheim's ready here. That's how I see the division. You like Calgary over Vancouver. How about a nice little dinner? How about a nice little Craig comes into town? We go on the Calgary, Vancouver kind of, uh, that's the division. I don't know where you are on that. I want to hear what you say before we say bye for this segment. And maybe we do a little uh, like trading places. A dollar is not high enough these days. Eddie Murphy, how about a little dinner on a Vancouver? People are making bets now, you know, Craig. People, people are betting on a lot of things these days. So Vancouver and Calgary, me and you go mano a mano who finishes third in the Pacific Division. Okay, I'm with you. I'll, I'll do that. And uh, we're at, I was at a great restaurant first time on Friday in Calgary. My lovely wife and, and me went out. Major Tom, it's called. So if uh, Vancouver beats out Calgary, you come on out to Calgary at some point in time. I'm taking it to Major Tom. Major Tom with Lieutenant Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and out here, I'll take you to my favorite steakhouse. Good times, good friends. We'll see you tonight. They're not sponsoring us yet, so I won't mention their name, but you know how I am on my beautiful baked potato with the running butter and the, and the pepper and the steak and the nice veggies on the side. Well, hey, listen, you know what it is, Steve? A, a meal is always nice. The company is even nicer, oh, right? Isn't right. it? And, I, and I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to take this home. I'm bringing it home. I'm bringing it home here. Are you ready? Here we go. Yes. 
Did you watch the football game on Sunday night? Tampa Bay yes. Patriots. What yes. a game. I think that Chris Collinsworth, who I think is superb, Michelle Tafoya on the sidelines interviewing, but unbelievable production in terms of presenting the game. They were sitting there ear to ear, smiling. What a game. Mac Jones, my Patriots are okay, baby. And Tom Brady, he's the GOAT. <laughs> That's it <laughs> for one of my favorite people, Steve Coolius. Greg Button on the Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast. You know where to get it. See ya.